Hey, what's up fam? And welcome to the Mike Mantel Podcast. This is Mike Mantel. Yeah, glad you can join me. So today's guest is a lady named Amy Silverman. And I would say that Amy is a master communicator. She has formed something called the Connection Movement and runs an adult summer camp called Connection Camp. And essentially she runs workshops where she teaches people how to connect deeply with each other, how to find their own truth within relationship, and ultimately how to get to know themselves and get to know other people better. She's incredibly gifted at what she does. Having a just general conversation with her is such a treat because I always leave the conversation just knowing way more about myself, which is really cool. In this podcast episode, Amy and I talked about her projects, Connection Movement, Connection Camp, talked about the skill set that goes into being good at connecting, good at communicating, talked about the loneliness epidemic happening in the Western world and how we can stave off isolation with connection skills. And we talked about her journey of being in her younger life totally disconnected from her feelings and how she has moved her way into owning her truth and connection to herself and even teaching others. So if you live in New York, check out her work, look up the connection movement, really phenomenal way to learn more about yourself and just become a more skilled human and better at relating with other humans. And coming up in June 2019, which is the year that it is, Connection Camp is happening in Sussex, New Jersey, and we go into it at the end of the episode, but it's just a really great way to learn to connect with other people through so many different means. There's um, like massage workshops and tantra workshops and, and free coaching and ways of listening and playing and just everything you could possibly imagine in a summer camp format. If you are interested, you can use the coupon code MANTEL, M-A-N-T-E-L-L, and you'll get $40 off your ticket. So if you want to go to Connection Camp, use that coupon code if you want to save a couple bucks. Yeah, and so I originally met Amy back when I was living in New York. It was pretty cool, actually, because my friend group for a while was kind of a Burning Man crew, party people, and it never really felt like my home community. And I made some really amazing friends from that community who I'm still friends with to date, but it was never my community. And I d- discovered Amy's work, and it was just like, whoa, these, are, I'm getting closer to my people. Like, these are people who, whose pure passion is uh, getting to know themselves better and getting to develop the skills to help other people know themselves better. So it was really pivotal because I'd never experienced anything like her work, and now I'm very much in that field myself. I work as a coach, and I facilitate workshops and experiences to help people ultimately get to know themselves better. And so I very much credit Amy to helping me kind of blast off with this journey of my own. And if you like this episode or like this podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a five-star rating if that feels in alignment for you to do so. I really appreciate any support that you're willing to give. I believe in this podcast as both an expression of my own passion and inspiration and me trying to get ideas out into the world that I think would be good for humans in general. 
I know there's so many things that humanity needs, um, you know, like the environment's obviously fucked up and politics are kind of a mess and there's just so much work to do, but the place where I feel called to do my work is to help individuals get to know themselves better, to help individuals become kinder, more authentic and genuine, more truthful, and to live their life with more integrity. And I know it's a collective effort, but uh, that's what I'm trying to do. That This podcast is a part of that mission for me, hoping that listeners can even just get nudged one millimeter in the direction of their own purpose. And so any support, totally appreciate. And even you listening, very grateful for that. Yeah, I also want this podcast to be collaborative. So if there are guests that you want to hear from, let me know. And if there are things you think that I could do better to make this a more interesting or captivating listening experience let me know about that too all right my friend that's all i got for you right now i hope you have an amazing experience listening to this episode i hope your day is filled with bubbles of joy that pop at unexpected times leaving you in a state of perpetual pleasantness yeah and i note that my voice is dampened right now and that's because i'm in Vancouver, BC for a contact improv dance workshop and I'm in a random coffee shop and had to record this in a stairwell in the back of a coffee shop so I can't be too loud. Um, Not my usual recording situation, but life doing its thing. Alright people, I'll see you in there. Have fun. Well, I guess I'm curious what's been captivating your inspiration of recent. The two main themes that have been really, really present with me in the last, uh, let's say, three to six months have been around belonging and its, its importance at for humans and um, kind of getting more clear about what belonging actually means to me and why it matters and how we might revive a sense, you know, opportunities and outlets for real belonging in, in society. And I guess I could say like, at least in American culture, um, I haven't studied much beyond that, but I do sometimes see statistics that suggest that what's happening here is also happening elsewhere. And then the other theme that's, that I've been really looking at is the concept of truth. And um, I always thought that I was really committed to truth and authenticity and transparency. But in this last four months, I would say I have discovered an even deeper relationship with what truth means to me. And um, it's something I'm excited about and something that I want to share and support others in accessing when and if they're ready. And I think you have to really want to see it And I'm not talking about like existential global truth. Um, I'm talking about just, you know, an individual's real looking at what's actually going on here and then going 
layer below and a layer below and layer below versus uh, maybe stopping the inquiry when it gets uncomfortable or when it could mean having to reveal things that could be painful or cause uh, disappointment or loss. So I think like those are the two biggies for me right now. Cool. Those are some nice like big words, belonging and truth. Yeah. They've become words to me in the past three to six months that I almost like experience with a capital letter at the front, you know, Mm. as if I haven't. And of course, there's so much more room to grow and evolve and discover that I may come back and listen to this recording in six months or a year and be like, oh, I thought I knew, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah. so they're always, they'll always be evolving. But for me, they like switched from kind of like lowercase words to hmm. capital letter words, uppercase words. Was there a period when those switched on and became a greater point of inquiry for you? Yeah, definitely. Belonging is something I've been looking at for longer. And I would say it's really been in the last few years, two to three years, where I've been having to look more closely at my business and my mission and what what is the problem that we're really addressing. And I've been looking at the loneliness epidemic and um, a crisis of connection and a crisis around communication and and seeing that I think the decline in outlets for belonging Hmm. has a lot to do with the social isolation that people are experiencing and um, depression and anxiety that, that um, according to some statistics has been on an incline in the last years. And um, I just sort of really started to notice, notice those trends and also recognized in myself and this is more what's been happening in the last six months my own my own deep deep longings for knowing that I belong which I think also includes knowing you matter somewhere um and knowing that I'm seen or met somewhere, you know, and I, I think that that I've seen how much people get that from from the community experiences that I've created. Could you talk a little bit more about that of how your the community experiences you're creating are working with the loneliness epidemic, which was a really interesting phrase, and and how you're bringing belonging into that for people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely something going on around social isolation in our world now, ranging from the elderly who are 
or or maybe individuals who are um, challenged physically or struggling with mental health issues that have them literally isolated from others and not interacting in society. Um, but then there's also this loneliness that we can experience when we're surrounded by people where it's like, wait, I have friends and I, they're nice people at my job and they ask me how I'm doing and I go to lunch with them. But like, there's just still this, this unfulfilled longing an emptiness that that we're calling loneliness and um i think that the reason why we can feel lonely yet still have friends or family or roommates or whatever around us is that there's less and less of an opportunity or maybe skill set or motivation to see and hear and receive each other. And I see that there's been so much emphasis through media and advertising and the ways that technology is going that there's like this focus on happiness that has us making other emotions or experiences be become something that needs to be fixed rather than just they're they're all colors in the the crayon box it's not that all those other colors need something added so they could look like magenta it's like it's just all these colors but there's been a a coming together an agreement that like happiness is the thing to strive for then when we encounter each other and someone's like not happy, then there's this um, advice giving or um, pep talk or uh, maybe a story that might encourage the person or help them understand why it's not as bad as they think that it is or any number of things that we do out of care or, or, feeling that it's out of care, but then this goes to that thing about truth. If you were to actually stop and notice and feel what's happening in you when someone is sharing their pain or their disappointment or whatever it may be, what's actually often happening in us is that we're uncomfortable with their discomfort. We're uncomfortable with often even contemplating the our mutual humanity which means that what this person is saying could just as well be us and so it's like how do we how do we make make this feel good and um so if we were to really stop and look at ourselves we might find I'm uncomfortable with their discomfort or their pain causes me pain or their pain causes me worry or any number of things. And then we could also notice the possibility that 
and and I, you know, I'm guilty of this as as much as as others that. Um, it would really be a lot nicer and easier for me if this person didn't have this problem because then they could give me attention about the thing that I'm really wanting to talk about. Or they, you know, th there's this almost like vying for attention that I think so many of us are, are doing because we're feeling unmet and unseen. So the work that we're doing with the connection movement is um, really giving people the tools, the, a framework and a space in which to slow down and notice what is actually happening here. And why do I feel like this person needs my advice? What is this advice actually in service of? Have I even acknowledged how it is for this person before showing them how they could be other than who and how they are right now? And, and that to me is actually the greatest way of showing compassion and being of service is to receive someone, to hear them, to reflect them back, to validate that we've actually gotten what it is they meant to convey. You know, that the story I'm hearing in my mind is actually the story they're wanting to portray or having the skills to potentially even shine light on a piece that that person might not be aware of, but to do it in a way that actually invites that person along into this inquiry rather than smacks it on them, like with a diagnosis or with a, you know, like you're obviously depressed and, you know, like, you should go to my doctor. He's amazing. He gave me a prescription, a one, two, three. Or, you know, my sister went through this and it was just hormones, whatever it may be. Um, so, so there's the training and the teaching and the engaging of these skills and tools at our workshops and, and trainings and also within the context of our social events, our public engagement projects, uh, where we get to ex coexist in a world where this becomes the standard and where then we, you know, I often call it a laboratory where we can experiment and try on the language and try on the feelings and see what it's like to withhold my advice and just keep giving someone my attention and curiosity. And discover that, oh, wow, I'm actually more nourished by listening to you than I think I would have been if I told you my similar story that has me relate to you. So that's, that's, that's um, what's going on there. And then the belonging part is that there's a consistent place to show up and be seen show up and be known, show up and be heard, 
show up and be welcomed as you are. And, um, and where you get to contribute the same way to everyone, including the facilitators, meaning that while there is somewhat of a hierarchy in that we reserve the space and we plan the, the thing and we may have more practice and knowledge, it is really important to me that those who are facilitating with the connection movement are as available and vulnerable and true to what's going on in us as leaders as we are inviting the participants. Yeah, amazing. That was such a lucid description of how all of that ties together. It was, it was fun going through it. I, it, it was fun talking, my, talking myself through that. Yeah, totally. It was cool. All of the points just like began connecting. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I like that crayon metaphor and I want to at least reflect what I was hearing you say through that metaphor. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea that let's just call happiness magenta. There's some idea that like we should all be showing magenta all the time and that's the only thing we should strive for. And so we're all walking around pretending to be magenta and we're hiding our hundred other colors and we talk to other people and they'll they'll only show us a magenta too, and if they show us like they're I don't know blue or something, we just keep trying to bring it back to magenta. And so there's this sense that everyone's really lonely because 99 of their 100 colors aren't being seen, and they're not seeing 99 of other people's 100 colors. And so you're creating a space for people to both find all of their colors that exist within themselves that they don't usually get to see, and learn the skills to pull out and see all of the colors from other people. Yeah. And then also to see what happens when your blue meets my orange. What's that like? Hmm. And, you know, I, I, I want to say I do, I do really, with the metaphor that we were just exploring, I do believe that. And I also want to be careful not to overgeneralize at that you know, every person is expecting everyone to be happy. But I, I do sense that, especially in the workplace, that there, there's a, a more limited palette, let's say, or, or it's like you, you can show your, your light, dusty rose pink but not your magenta or you can show your, you know, barely blue, but not your navy or turquoise or whatever it may be. So I think um, it's like we're, 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 we're honing in on the, the exactly the right metaphor, but it's not, it's not quite there yet, but yeah, I, I definitely believe that there's a lot more to all of us than what we tend to show and what we also tend to remember about others. You know, like when I'm sitting on the subway, I sometimes think to myself, you know, if this car just stopped, like if this subway stopped and we were here for hours, what what might 
I actually learn about these people, like this person's on their way to an abortion or this person's on their way to um, their first day at their first job out of high school. And, you know, this person just got a text right before we went underground and they don't know what it means. And they're really excited about this new guy they're dating or like, they're so, you know, everyone's living such a complex experience. And yet when I'm sitting around the subway, it's like just a bunch of people and I make up my stories about them. Uh, and my stories are, are much simpler than what must be going on over there. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, so when you're out in the world, whether you're on a subway or in a coffee shop or with your parents or, or like whatever, to what extent do you bring this desire of yours to, to see the full range of colors and to show the full range of colors? I think that in my own day-to-day life, there are certainly moments when I'm more on a mission of some sort, whether it's to learn something or convince someone of something or um, accomplish a task or have some sort of transaction where my curiosity level is lower. And times when it's just, you know, on its peak volume and I just am like fascinated (laughs) and wondering about everyone. Um, And of course we can't show all our colors all the time, meaning even in this moment, like I am feeling a whole complexity of experiences and, and there's just not, not room or space or time to reveal it all always. So I do at least attempt when I sense tension, conflict, disagreement, surprise, judgment, strong opinions in myself or in others, I've trained myself to have my curiosity crank up a notch or two or all the way up to say like, wait, what's actually happening here right now? What am I feeling? Or what are you feeling? Or what do you imagine is happening in me? Or this is what I'm imagining happening in you and trying to kind of just slow things down and get underneath what's happening rather than getting into a runaway conversation that might not even be about what's actually happening. You know, more successful, less successful at different times and with certain people. Um, we all have our protections and we all have our, our tolerances of vulnerability and openness or, or reveal yeah. And I'm curious for anyone who's listening who has not been to any type of space like the ones that you create, I'm wondering if you could give an example of what some type of prompt might be. And obviously, this is only scratching the surface of what it's like to be in that space, because 
I've, I've done workshops that you've led and you can just go deeper and deeper. And, but at the very least, I'm curious, like, uh, if you have a thought of something, a prompt that you might ask me or ask someone that, uh, could start to get the, the type of sharing that shows the full range of colors. Yeah. It might be something like, um, you know, person A says something and person B quickly responds with, um, the reason why not what person A said is, you know, and I might, I might say to, to person B something like, I just noticed that you had a, a pretty quick response. It seems like there might be a strong emotion underneath what you just said. And I'm wondering if you know why you said what you just said or why you said it the way you said it or or even something simpler of just hey i'm curious to pause for a second are you aware of what's happening in yourself right now what's it what's going on how is it to be you in this moment something like that, where we're just kind of slowing things down. Of course, that's in an environment where we, the people who are there are open to being coached and guided. I wouldn't do that with my mother uh, right. or, or my roommate, you mm. know. Uh, but if I were in a less formal environment, if I was just in an actual conversation and someone jumped in quickly, with a response, I might say, I noticed how quickly you just answered and I'm feeling a bit on edge and like things are starting to move faster than I'm comfortable with. And I'm wondering if you'd be open to us slowing down a little and I might say something like, I think it would help me before I answer your question, if you could just give me a little clue what you're feeling right now. Because from over here, it seems like you're angry, but I'm not sure. Maybe you're just like passionate. Yeah. It seems like two of the major skills that you've been speaking to, or at least that I've picked up, one is curiosity which I really appreciate because it feels so good to have someone be curious on me. It's like, it's one of the best feelings in my opinion. I agree. I think it's one of the yeah. most <laughs> tremendous gifts we can offer another person. Mm. Presence coupled with curiosity. Yeah. The other one I was going to say was slowing down, which I think goes hand in hand with presence. And I actually, I have um, some advice I want to ask you because... Yes. I uh, I love being curious on people also. I find it really fun to just like, I don't know, pick apart like their experience or their worldview or whatever's going on. It's um, very nourishing to me. But sometimes I find myself in relationships where I'm unloading my curiosity, but it's not reciprocated. And so the relationship dynamic ends up being the other person talking 80% of the time and me never getting attention. And I'm wondering if you've encountered that or what, what to, how you've, if so, how you'd either recommend navigating that or if you have personally encountered that in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because I imagine you're more curious than most 
people that you that you are in, in touch with. Yes, it's true. Um, I've experienced something um, really similar, and uh, I guess there are a few things I can answer. I noticed that I was having that kind of experience, especially on dates where I felt like the quality of the engagement, and I don't mean quality meaning um, good, bad, but just quality like the flavor, the nature, the experience of the way men that I have, have engaged with often doesn't feel present or curious in a way that reflects sort of a depth of interest or a nuance of interest. And I have found that in my frustration or maybe disappointment or honestly even boredom, like, oh my God, I'm answering these questions. This isn't interesting to me to talk about. Um, that I have turned, just turned my attention on them and like enjoyed the journey of really going into their world with them. Um, and at times I think I did that hoping that they would kind of like it and then be like, ooh, let me, let me, <laughs> do that for yeah. you. Right? Yeah, pick up the secret cue. <laughs> and then there's there's also the challenge that I've encountered of not wanting to be the teacher or the um the coach or mentor or something. Um and so I've had to, I've been careful about how I might make a request. But I think for the most part, where I've landed with that now is um, I make sure that I'm only giving my attention because I genuinely want to, because I'm, I'm genuinely curious, and that if there were zero reciprocation, I would feel satisfied. So it's like, I'll only give to the extent that I actually want to give. And then also, um, I've experimented more and more with just asking for what I would like. And so that could sound something like, I, like, you know, I've, I'm loving getting to know you in this way, or this is this has been really fascinating. And I'm like, this is so much fun. And I think I'm kind of, I think I'm craving like a flip flop now. And it would be really fun to see what you're curious about in my world. Like, I wonder, I wonder what questions you might be sparked in you if we, if we flip the direction or something and just, seeing how it goes you know like yeah yeah opening it up and and seeing and like kind of hoping for the past obviously if it's like you know just a casual chat with someone who make 
just come and go from our lives. That's, that's one thing. And it's another thing if it's a friend or a family member or a romantic partner where you're really in that, the way you communicate is an important thing to invest in. And then in that case, I would hope that, that I or you or whoever would be in a position where we would feel uh, invested enough to name the disappointment or the longing and even say, you know, I've learned a couple things. Would, would you want me to share them with you to see if they light anything up or um, welcoming an exploration of the kind of attention that we give each other? Mm. Yeah. I loved the uh, sample just feedback you gave of like the let's do a flip flop uh, just because hearing it on this end, it, it it was like so encouraging. And I was like, oh, yeah, I would love to do a flip flop. But I was just appreciating the nuance of feedback and how feedback can be given in ways that like incite a desire to like comply, so to speak, or it might incite resistance. And that was just cool. I liked um, even in that playful example, the skillful communication of feedback. Yeah, I think um, as long as we really own our experience, uh, you know, it's like I'm feeling this and I'd love it if you would or would you please versus you're not, you know, you are or you aren't this thing. So fix it. You know, like for me. Yeah. 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 I'm wondering, I'm not sure if this question will land or resonate, but I'm wondering if there were such a thing as one's personal journey with feedback, where on your feedback journey would you say you are right now? Hmm. I would say that when feedback is communicated in an owned way, meaning that someone can share with me, like, this is, this is the inarguable thing that I'm seeing or noticing or hearing. And this is my reflection about it or my conclusion about it or my judgment about it or my desire regarding it. I... I would say I'm like in a really great place about receiving feedback because in those cases, I feel invited into an exploration and I'm given a map of, of what we're actually looking at. You know, it's like this behavior in these moments caused me to feel X, Y, and Z. It's like, okay, cool. Like, so I did this and I said that, and then you felt this, but then you know, we can actually like jam on it and, and unpack it. I don't, I don't yet do well with really taking in feedback that is more like a labeling or projecting of someone's experience or expectation on me. And I'm not even sure I should have taken that feedback because if there's not room to explore it or understand it, 
I usually will pretty quickly just tell myself like, that's about them. That's about their expectation they placed on me. That's about their idea of how or who I should be. And I know that I might be missing an opportunity to learn something, but if we can't actually dialogue about it and they're not going to reveal more about themselves, then there's not a lot for me to actually go on. Mm. I guess when people are giving feedback in that way, that's not self-revealing or owning. In my experience, I have to filter through so much to either receive the feedback or get anything from it, which is hard. And yeah, don't always know if it's worth worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is um, also, I mean, I actually just dealt with this a few days ago. Mm. I lead circling mm. online um, mm, cool. about once a week. And one of the participants on three or four different sessions now has said something along the lines of um, that he's imagining that what he's saying is having a strong impact on me. And in each of those instances, I was like, oh, actually, I didn't feel like that was about me at all. I didn't even realize that, that, that you were even thinking about me and what you just said. No, that's not, I'm not really impacted actually. And he doesn't believe me. Oh, interesting. So I was like, okay, you know, you don't believe me. So maybe, maybe there's something deeper underneath that I'm unaware of. Maybe he's picking up on something. So I'm kind of like checking myself and I was like, no, like actually I'm, I'm certain that I'm unruffled by, by what you've said. I feel really open to you and prepared to like continue to receive you and hear. In fact, I'm actually feeling curious now about what, story you may have about me that has you certain that you would be having a big impact on me. So it's like he either has a story about me that I'm like very, very sensitive or insecure or, or want his approval or something like that. Or he has an opinion of himself that he's being very harsh and that any person hearing that harshness would feel bad because naturally that's just what would happen. So like either way, um, he was kind of caught in these assumptions either about himself or me or both, but, but wasn't able to see them. So he just was like, I just don't believe you. And I think Amy, that you're not seeing something here. Because I'm sure that if, that if you were really in touch, you would be hurt right now. So we came to almost this standstill where I, you know, I actually revealed to him. I said, you know, it's interesting because if you were like some guy that I worked with or some guy that I went on a date with or 
some casual friend, I think I might kind of write you off. I might be like, hey, you know, he doesn't see me and he doesn't believe me when I try to help him see me. So there's nothing there for me. Right. I'll just, you know, on a surface level, coexist with this person in the world. And if and when we bump into each other, we'll, we'll deal with what has to be dealt with and move on. But then there's this principle, at least within the connection movement community and, um, and within this, the circling practice, which is one of the practices that I teach, is this commitment to connection. And so it's like, all right, I'll, I'll be in the discomfort of feeling unseen by you. And I will continue in relationship with you. And it became an, an opportunity for me to explore how it is to feel unseen or un, unmet or not understood and what that means to me and how important I'm making it or him, but not abandoning the connection. So that's, that's been a, like a really interesting thing because it's like this feedback that I'm kind of like throwing out because uh, it's like, oh, you're the evidence, you know, exhibit A, B, and C. I was like, oh, no, those aren't, that's not even true. So what do we do now? Yeah, I love that principle of commitment to connection because it just means that no matter if it's good or, or if it's pleasant or unpleasant or up or down, like knowing that you're going to stick through with someone, you're, there's just so much to learn in there. Yeah. And yeah, cool. Well, something else I was wondering is, I'm just curious, and you can take however much time you want, but I'm curious like what the story was that got you interested in this stuff in the first place. How did this mission or vision or this idea of the loneliness epidemic and connection spark into your life? Yeah, so um, I I had my own experiences of of complex trauma as a child, and my way of coping as a child was kind of to mm, flatten out my emotional experience to kind of numb out and protect myself. It was very safe for me to give love and give attention and share joy and express outward. But I became pretty blocked against receiving positive or challenging um, emotions or experiences around me. It was like, it just didn't get in. And as a kid that, that helped me. And, you know, I'm really grateful for that 
method that I came up with as, as a, a way of taking care of myself. And then around high school, I was like, okay, this doesn't feel right now. I should be feeling things that I'm not feeling. My life feels flat and not, I don't feel touched. I don't feel like, yeah, it was just sort of, I felt like it, we used the crayon metaphor before. It's like all my colors were like the pastels, except some really safe, happy, happy type emotions that got more vivid. And I, I reached out for help and I guess, you know, my parents and I just didn't hit the bullseye with who we look to for help. And so I, I got kind of passed by, you know, where they're like, everything's fine here. And she's, she's got it. She really understands what's going on in her, in herself. But instead of like, oh yeah, this is, this is the outcome of trauma, you know. And then through college, I, I went through this experience of almost the way I described it was I was playing the role of myself. That my internal inquiry, and it went very rapidly to the point where I, I lost track of the fact that it was even happening, was if I was feeling something right now, what would it be? And then I'll just re represent myself as if I'm having that experience. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. So you were almost like acting like you thought Amy would be. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like huh. if I if I were plugged in right now, yeah. What would my expression be? Because like the 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 signals that were kind of coming through me were were actually very like subtle and or even indetectable to me yeah was that also true at that time of like your desire inspiration what you studied and activities you did and stuff well that's a really interesting thing because i was studying musical theater to be a performer oh cool and so i was discovering through my acting class and through my musical theater scene study classes that it was I was having this experience of like, I mean, it's funny we were using the crayon analogy before. I used to say, I feel like I'm showing up to a painting class with the brush and the canvas and the water and the smock and everything, but no paints. That like the access to the emotional part of myself was not accessible. And I happened to end up in the acting class of a teacher who was very, um, she went in very directly to emotion. Um, whereas there was another teacher who used that a lot of play and sort of like creativity and um, physicality. Like this teacher was very, um, like she used to make this sound and hit her chest and she would go, huh, huh. and I was like, this is, this is just not doing anything for me, you know? 
And so I had kind of a limited range as a performer and I was great at what I was great at. And then the other stuff was just like not available to me. I just stank at it. You know, I mean, I really did. I, I, it was like not good acting because I was now I was like playing the role of playing the role. It was like, Right. steps you know yeah mm. and so i did pursue career a career in theater and um performing for quite some time and i struggled still with this thing but i got to pur- just pursue the roles that i thought i could have success with and i did great in my in my performing career and ultimately sort of walked away for other other reasons than this, though I'm sure this was a part of it underneath um, that I... What were the reasons at the time that you... Um, the reasons I was telling myself at the time were that the actual lifestyle of the business did not work for me. You know, like I want to... I want to... I wanted to have kids and I wanted to be, um, I wanted to make a sustainable living and I wanted to, and I was doing theater, not like, it wasn't like film or TV where there was some potential of making big money. The theater, like this is only going to go so far financially. And I was in my twenties and even my early thirties and in shows with a range of people of you know different ages and I'm looking at the 45 year olds and the 55 year olds and what their lives look like and I didn't want to be like them it didn't look good to me yeah so that was like the main reason where it was like I got to take care of myself in a different way I also didn't like the the part of the business like the the particular flavor of the networking and sales aspect of the business I don't have, I don't, I don't object to sales and networking, but there was just a flavor of it that had a, to me had like a, like an odor of desperation. And, and I noticed it in myself too, when I would then engage in the things I thought I was supposed to do. And I didn't want to be in that, that place. I, the truest reasons I think had to really do with a fear of failing and being like found out as a, you know, imposter or fraud or not as talented as, as I thought I was, or a fear of succeeding and then bumping up against a limitation that I had shame around. Mm. What, what do you mean by that? Bumping up against? Mm. Like, you know, okay, like I get cast in Susicle and I, I'm, you know, amazing in the role and everything's great. And that leads me to this next role that now demands something of me that I can't, that I like was afraid I would literally be incapable of delivering. Mm. And the like shame or humiliation or fear around 
having limitations. Mm, got it. Really scared me. So it was like succeeding would lead to my failure. Because, yeah, I, yeah, my, yeah. because succeeding would be that I fooled people to think that I was like great and talented and blah, 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 blah. So, and it's like, I was great and talented and I had some limitations at that stage of my life. So, um, so anyway, th- this was all to tell you how I got into the work that I'm doing now. So I was at this place in my life where I had walked away from theater. I had told myself it was temporary and I would come back when I had plenty of money so that I wasn't there out of desperation and that I was just doing things I wanted to do. And I was working in the online, like internet marketing, network marketing world, which network marketing is another way of saying multi-level marketing or pyramid marketing or whatever. Basically, you're doing direct sales and you're recruiting other people to do direct sales. And, and I was actually having a lot of success with it. And I discovered I was a natural entrepreneur and I learned a ton about, about business and funnels. And I, I learned so much, but I felt isolated and I was not excited about the things I was selling and missed the belonging of the community. And I'm sure I missed the self-expression of of the art itself. And I still, in spite of having seen therapists and gone to landmark education and tried different, all different practices, I still felt numbed out. And even now, like, kind of depressed. There was like just like this baseline hum of depression. And I went to a birthday party for a guy I barely knew. And I met a guy there who was visiting from California. He also didn't really know anyone at this birthday party. And within about 20 minutes of talking to him and him asking me a question about something. I can't remember what it was. It was like something personal, but that I also had no qualms about sharing because I did feel so disconnected from myself. It was very easy for me to talk about vulnerable things because I didn't feel vulnerable. Um, But here I am and like 20, 25 minutes into talking to this guy, there are tears coming down my face. I was like, what's going on here? I'm feeling myself you've got to be my soulmate. <laughs> that was like my only explanation. I feel so alive and connected. Um, huh. My only explanation was like, this guy's got to be my soulmate, um, which he wasn't. And what actually was true is that he was a circler and he was a, a teacher of this relational presence-based meditation practice where a lot of things that you and I have been talking about in this conversation, like presence, curiosity, skillful communication, um, 
meeting someone as and where they are without changing or fixing them, being in contact with our somatic or body experience, and all of these things, like he was, he had mastered that. And the quality and nature of his presence with me, my explanation is like it allowed my nervous system to settle and to arrive and in the moment and like just on on clench and um that his presence and curiosity felt on some you know visceral subconscious level that my my self perceived the safety of his presence and he was proactively attuning to me and uh i think that that's why i could feel myself in connection with him and he became a friend slash coach, you know, because it was just, he just had so much to offer and it was just who he was kind of what you and I were talking about before where it's like, if we just have this tremendous capacity for curiosity that we're going to maybe end up serving others in that way more than they might serve us. So, um, eventually he, he got me to come to Boulder, Colorado, where there was a circling weekend. And I discovered, you know, 50 or 70 more Brian's, you know, who had the same capacities, you know, different levels of, of, of skill. But I discovered a community that shared in this practice that related to each other with these principles, at least as something that they valued. And um, I saw belonging and I saw a place to be met and seen and known. I saw a place where from that baseline knowing and being and connecting that we that people could be playmates or date or do business together or cohabitate or co-work or any number of things and I was just like I need that and when I came back to New York I got introduced to another guy who had had a similar experience through a different program where he was like, we need this in New York. And so the two of us started just doing a monthly night of relating games, just a, a monthly night of games that cultivate connection and empathy and communication and so on. Even though I was still aching, like I just wanted to be circled all the time. And I just wanted that kind of attention because it was my only way that I knew how to access myself. And so um, eventually I met uh, these guys from Europe who were circling facilitators and 
they had a desire to come to New York and lead a weekend. And I had a desire to have circling in New York and things just kind of took off from there. And as things grew here in New York, we eventually were doing something like five events a month. And at certain peak, peak points, we've had even six or eight events a month and maybe three times a year, some kind of, or four times a year, some kind of retreat or weekend. And then I jumped on board with an international eye contact experiment that was happening in 170 different cities. And I, I, I got to share this kind of relating with a, a, a larger number of people, like a smaller experience, but with more people. And then it was right around that time that I came up with the concept for Connection Camp. So um, it was also around that time that I finally found in myself the name, like the brand of the Connection Movement, where it was then that I saw really the bigger picture of how important this is in the world and what's, what, what's, what had been happening and what seemed inevitable based on the rate at which technology advancement has been happening and divisiveness in our politics and the increase of social media. And that it's then that I was like, this is much bigger than, you know, we originally called it Authentic Relating New York. And I loved it, but it's like, this is bigger. And I started to see myself as having the potential to really have a, a bigger impact and to not only be representing authentic, the practice of authentic relating and the practice of circling, but so many different practices and teachings and modalities that are all pointing us through whatever tools or structures or, or pathways back to connection with ourselves, with our truth and how to meet it and connection with others and how to meet that truth in them or the truth of us together and connection to just the world and our planet and, and whatever you might say is a, a, a spirituality source or God or love or energy or whatever, however that word, you know, might, might make sense to someone. And so that's when I kind of rebranded to become the connection movement and launched connection camp, which is now about to have its fourth summer. And that's basically a four day, three night sleepaway camp retreat for adults it is um, a blend between the things you probably think of when you think of sleepaway camp, like silly relay races and pool parties and boating on the lake and barbecues and campfires. But also, I curate about 40 workshops over the course of four days and the workshops are all different professionals who guide 
guide the campers into experiences of connection with self or other or whatever. And we use things like art and music and dance and yoga and meditation and um, nonviolent communication and acro yoga and trust exercises and, um, and touch workshops and like where we just kind of give the opportunity for people to explore on any level that they desire ways to meet themselves and each other. And, um, you know, someone could be like, oh, I want to dip my toe in this world. And Connection Camp could be a great place for that. And they might choose to do things more like the art workshops and the play workshops and things that maybe don't go as as deep or lean into as many edges. And then there are people who are there who are like, rip me open, I'm ready. <laughs> like, I want to feel everything and I want to do everything and I want to know myself deeper than I've ever known myself. And, um, and there's room for that too. And, and um, we also bring about 25 different healers and coaches so those would be anything ranging from like acupuncture to energy healing to massage. And then all the way on the other side, it could be like a health coach, a money coach, a career coach, purpose coach. And those people provide 20 minute one-on-one -on -one laser sessions to campers. So um, it's an opportunity to maybe slow down and digest something that's happened at camp or to have an opportunity to experiment with something that maybe you wouldn't have tried on your own or if you had to go pay 150 bucks for a one-time appointment or you wouldn't have even known how to find a good energy healer. Like, how would I even know who to pick? You know, so um, it's really powerful and transformative and, um, has opened people up to an experience of community, of shared values, of a space to try on their full expression of themselves, or just, you know, like eke out a little piece of exposure of like, I think I'm ready to show you my, my shoulder, you know? <laughs> and it's like, great, like, great. Welcome to your shoulder. You know, we're not expecting you to, you know, go any faster than you want. Yeah. And what's the, when and where is Connection Camp? Connection Camp is June 13 to 16 of this year. And it's in Sussex, New Jersey. We rent out a, a youth sleepaway camp before the camp season begins. So we've got cabins or you that sleep like six to 12 people and um, have running water and electricity and all that stuff. Or you can bring a tent and then we have a handful of rooms for people who want like a little more creature comfort or a little more privacy. And all the meals are included with vegan options and gluten-free options and all that good stuff. And um, it's really close to New York. It's like 90 minutes from New York and it's an easy trip from Newark airport. We have people who fly in for it. Awesome.
we're running into time, Amy. So I'm just curious, where can people find you or your work? Sure. My, I have three URLs that I can share. The first one is theconnectionmovement.com. And it does include the word the. The next one is connectioncamp.com. And the third is my newest, my newest um, expression, which is that I've started working with businesses, organizations, or other kinds of groups like churches or synagogues or teams. And that URL is humancenteredgroup.com. Mm. Amazing. I will put all those links below. Thank you. And, you know, I'd love to also um, offer a coupon code to anyone who wants to come to camp. So I will, I'll send you a coupon code that you can, that you can share as well. It would be really fun to meet people who either already geek out on this stuff and want more or to be around tribe or those who are curious. This is a, a great place to just check it out. Cool. Yes, I will absolutely include that. Amazing. Amy, thank you so much for the time, for your willingness to connect and to really dive into your life and your work. And and I also want to thank you because your work has been a really big impact on my life. When I was living in New York, that was a really like challenging and pivotal period for me. And you introduced me to a way of being and uh, a type of people out there that I didn't know existed. And my life has since blossomed in that direction. And so I appreciate you being a big catalyst in my own journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. I am really touched to know that it had that impact on you and that, that you're continuing sort of, you know, to expand on the things that you, that you got. Hey friends, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know that I sure had a blast with it. If you enjoy this podcast, please head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. I'm offering an exchange right now where if it feels in alignment for you to give this podcast five stars, then send me a message on Facebook, let me know you did it, and then I'll sit down, take some time to grok your profile, and I will write you a thoughtful and sincere compliment. Truly, please take me up on it. And if this episode touched on something you think a friend might find titillating, pass it on to them too. And I just want to say, I bring my utmost sincerity to each of these conversations, and I really do want to spread vibes and information that cause people to reflect and deepen and just live a more honest, kind, and vivacious life. Because I really believe that the state of the world needs everything that we can give it it needs people to be at full capacity it needs people to be living their life fully and giving their greatest positive impact to humanity and so if i can just flick over one domino with this podcast that flicks over a couple more that lead people into living their life fully and giving back to the earth then by jove man i will be a happy dude so trying to do my part here and any help, love, and support, I would just so greatly appreciate. And at the very least, I am super appreciated that you listened to this episode, and much love, folks. I'll see you next time.